Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to a super special episode of The Neuro Show featuring Sydney cycling personality, MAP ambassador, Jennifer Kay. In today's chat, we pretty much go through everything from MAP apparel, women-specific bikes, cycling stalkers, all the way through to the blokey racing scene. Guys, this is probably the best and most unscripted chat we have had on the show today. It's our first in-studio guest. We are really excited to bring you this chat with Jennifer Kay. Weird creepers on bikes. Oh. So this is what I want to talk oh. about. Right. Have you got any stories for us? Because you posted, what was that thing that came up a couple of weeks ago and someone was like, oh, they wouldn't ride with me or something. That is the, that is the worst instance of, of creeping on the bike that I've had. I went out for a bunch ride. The bunch ride was going to Edelong. I didn't want to go that far. So I turned around at Brooklyn and there was someone who knew me who I did not know, who turned, who was at Brooklyn turning around at the same time. And he tried to talk to me uh, and I just wasn't having it. Um, so I kind of actually, we were at the bottom of the climb and I let him go off and I put my headphones in and kind of messed around and made him, you know, drift off into the distance. I then got to the top of Brooklyn and he was there taking photos, but, you know, taking photos of some weird shrubs. I'm kind of going, okay, bro. And so I rode past and then, you know, conveniently at the same time as me riding past, he stopped taking photos of weird shrubs and then kind of followed me. At a, at a distance or like? No, he, he caught me up. Um, he pulled up alongside me. He said something to me. I had my headphones in. So I said, sorry, I've got my headphones in. Um, and then he said it again. And so then I took my headphones out. Um, and asked him to repeat himself, and he said, aren't your hands cold without gloves? And I said, no, I'm okay. Put my headphones back in. He got the message. He pushed on. But then further down the road, he stopped again to take some more photos of some more shrubs. Uh, and, you know, I just rode past him, and then he sat on my wheel for a little while. Um, I didn't talk to him. He didn't talk to me. Um, he then rode past me. We actually crossed paths a third time at the bottom of Bob and Head <laughs> with some more photos, this time of some water. But I just, you know, like I, I was just tunnel vision at that point. And I would have thought nothing of it except when I got home and Strava told me that I rode with this person. And so I clicked on his ride and there was like a, the, you know, the sub caption below the ride title. It said, thought I would have someone to ride home with, but she was way too special to even talk to me. Ah. Uh, and so, wow. so what, 
What Jesse is talking about is the fact that I screenshotted that and put it on my close friend's story because I was like, what the f***? Uh, But then even in a more sinister turn of events, I was looking at my Facebook friend requests a couple of days later and I had a Facebook friend request from this same guy from two weeks ago before the bike ride. Was he on the ride originally or this was just coincidence that you were? He was with the bunch. Okay. It was a big bunch. Um, it was the World Bicycle Relief thing that they organise once a year to kind of raise money for them. Uh, but it is a fairly, like, disparate lot. It's a bunch of people who don't necessarily know each other. And, and, okay, so you've turned around early and he's, oh, I'll turn around. But, I mean, oh. the thing is, is, is that's, a, that's a rare occurrence, but what's less rare is, is, just, is just slightly weird behaviour. So do you, do you ride mostly by yourself? And do you feel comfortable around Sydney the majority of the time? Yes, because of my personality and um, because of my willingness to tell someone to go away. And you will do that? Yes, quite frequently. I think I've kind of thought recently that I'm a bit too aggressive. Um, I'm repeatedly... (laughs) What's happened? (laughs) I'm repeatedly telling people to get off my wheel. So how does this this start? Because... Is it, is it someone who will ride up next to you and say, oh, hey, where are you going? Or is it suddenly you see the shadow of a, of a person on your wheel and they're there five minutes later and then you turn around and say, hi. Like is There's a range of behaviours. Okay. Um, when people actually come up to me and know me and say, hey, I love your tunnel videos, I say, wow, thank you so much. I'm a weirdo. Um, when people sit on my wheel without any acknowledgement, when they th- some people sit on your wheel and think they're being cute. Surely that happens to you in Centennial Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like more often than not there's like someone drafting you in there. Yeah. I, and, and I don't really have much. I don't really have much time for that. The thing that is most prevalent is, okay, so you know the head turn. You know the rubber necking when, when you pass someone or they pass you and they turn to look at you. I sense that the period of time that they're staring at me to go past the acceptable duration, they're staring at you a little bit too long. That's the most frequent experience and that's what makes me angry and that's why I tell people off and say get off my wheel. I could totally imagine, even I'm riding, I'm like, this person, this has been way too long drafting. I, I don't really, I don't mind, but I could imagine if I was a woman and some dude's just like three inches from my ass riding behind me for like 10 minutes, you'd be like, like you'd have to say, like you can't, imagine if you were running and someone, we've said this before, imagine if you were jogging around the bay run and someone's like like shadowing you, it'd be like absolute. you'd call the cops, they're like stalking you. That's actually one of the things that I say to people. Would you walk this close to me in the street? Because fundamentally what I'm always doing is putting it into context and the context is obviously a bit of tension between men and women in the street and a bit of context around, you know, violence, harassment, that type of behaviour. And I think like I think you'd have to be you'd have to be an absolute Martian to not realise as as a man yeah. to not realize to not be sensitive to being perceived as creepy. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like Wouldn't you, you, you don't want a woman to look at you as though you're a predator. Wouldn't you be a bit? Yeah, as a man, aren't you a bit self aware? Like, oh, this chick probably thinks I'm a weirdo because I've been riding directly behind her yeah. for five minutes. Again, it, it's different for us, but 
anytime I turn around and challenge the person, they're always blown away at me. How dare I suggest they not be there? Like it's really I'm the dickhead here. I'm the little stuck-up person having this situation. And so I don't know. I do think most people are just maybe they're just so in the box they've got no idea what's going on and they're just clinging on to your wheel at the best of uh, best. I don't know. I'm trying to find decent solutions for this because it happens quite a lot. No, maybe they're a weirdo. If you're drafting a woman from from like you're on and you're just you're clocking up the K's on the wheel and it's just you and them, like and you're not self-aware enough to drop off, like you have to be a bit strange. There's also some weird ego interplay, I think, which happens, you know, you're another person who rides around Centennial Park at a specific wattage for three hours. Yes. <laughs> it's a great club. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, mate, you know, I'm here, I'm doing three watts per kilo for two and a half hours, okay? I'm not going anything other than this for the entire lap and somehow I overtake you and then you overtake me back and we have this cute little game of leapfrog and I get pissed off so I go up the hill. That's literally every week, yes. We will have that exact It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. No, but it is if you, like, to me it's totally different. I could understand someone drafting me because they just they want to sit at 35K an hour for a few laps and it's kind of fun. But if you're drafting a woman and not be self-aware that they're going to be totally creeped out, strange behaviour, really. Oh, actually, there's one other thing. A friend of mine uh, was on a bunch ride in Brisbane and she caught a guy sniffing her saddle at the cafe. Okay. That's, that's, that's a pretty that? up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want to say anything. Like if someone's sniffing your saddle, you don't really want to call them out on it. You kind of just, I don't know. <laughs> that's like another level. I kind of almost didn't want to know. I want to pretend these people don't exist. I'm just always let down by people. Was it a cyclist or just like yeah, a Yeah, it was. No, it was another participant on the same bunch ride. Oh, dear. Yeah. Put that as a reel. Just that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do you want to talk bikes? We can talk bikes. We can talk bikes. If All you right. give me something to go with. You're riding a Specialized. I'm riding an SL6. An SL6. Oh, my God. The internet thinks that's a fast bike. Which brake type? Rim. <laughs> I'm, I'm, riding the, I'm riding the last great tarmac with rim brakes. I'm running tubes. Oh, my God. How are you even alive? I haven't been crucified. So tell me the story of this bike and um, have you, are you ever, would, would there be anything that would move you into the disc scenario? Never say never. Uh, the, the Tarmac SL6 is fundamentally my forever bike. Um, I've put a lot of money into it and I definitely don't plan on getting rid of it anytime soon, if ever. Uh, I had So the interesting thing is, is that I bought the SL6, then I bought an F12 and ran them both at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, the I remember that. Yeah, yeah, the white F12. That's right. And I got rid of the F12 pretty quickly. And kept the SL6 and basically just pumped more money into it. I even, I've just upgraded to 12 speed because, like I say, it's my forever bike. I might as well get it. How did you upgrade to 12 speed with rim brakes? There is a Shimano Durace 12 speed group set for rim brake. What? Yes. 
Why are you two? Come on. <laughs> Hang on. Do, do you want me to go get the bike? Do you, do you want the photo? So this is, this is the semi-wireless one. This one is wired. Like this one has cables. They're electronic cables, but they're still cables. Oh, didn't they phase that out? Wasn't that the whole thing? They phased out RIM? Oh, they phased out. Maybe, I was, maybe we're crossing, the, crossing lines between phasing out mechanical and phasing out RIM brake. Or maybe you're getting confused because all of the big frame manufacturers are no longer making frames with rim compatibility. I'm, I'm, I'm just. If, yes. I'm having to look it up. I can't even picture what the uh, brake calipers look like. I mean, I've got EE brakes, so I don't actually know what the brake calipers look like. But yeah, I mean, I can confirm it does exist. Rides quite nicely yes. as well. It's pretty good. Fair pretty enough. good group set. That's just blowing my mind. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't know. That's actually pathetic that I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. We were both like, what do you mean you upgraded? You're like, no, you <laughs> must. Speed. You're going, you, you must have that wrong. <laughs> you, mu- you must not know the difference between rim and disc brake. <laughs> so what, what happened to the dogma? I sold it. Yeah, why? So you guys love to cast, make these sweeping statements about bikes and I have huge problems with it because there is nothing generalist or stereotypical or one size fits all when it comes to bikes. You probably know that. You probably just, you know. There is a bit of nuance to it. Interestingly, the F12, every time I got on it, it felt like I was driving a Ferrari. It felt amazing. In terms of cutting laps around Heffron Park, the F12 was an amazing bike to race that particular circuit on. The tarmac, not quite as amazing, but I don't ride around Heffron. Uh, and I don't do chop that much and I don't have great hip mobility and I like to go up hills fast. So fundamentally I just found that there was something slightly more comfortable, slightly lighter, slightly better tuned to the type of riding that I like to do in the form of the SL6. It's not to say the F12 wasn't great. The F12 was rim brake as well? No, disc. It was disc, yeah. okay. and tubeless. Did, did um, maintenance come into as a factor to get rid of it? Are you like a bike shop regular? Uh, the, I'm, I'm less comfortable working with a disc brake setup, um, you know, like brake bleeds and brake rub and all of that kind of stuff when it comes to disc brake setups are things that I'm just not really going to get in there and deal with myself, whereas a, a rim brake kind of setup is something much more easy for me to fiddle with. I reckon you must be so rare in the sense that because at least marketing-wise, we're all told that a disc brake bike is easier for a woman a woman to ride in the first place because especially descending, much easier, tend to have smaller hands and the actual braking on the calipers is more, I suppose, refined and, and modulated and all that kind of thing. The fact that you... Okay, that might have been a thing, but ultimately the performance of the rim brake bike for you outshone whatever those braking circumstances were. Honestly, that would be super rare, I imagine, in terms of the whole industry push. To have had to have had two really high-end bikes and have gone, no, no, I'm going to go back and stick to the rim brake. I think it's true that the decision to stick with rim brake as opposed to disc brake for a woman rider is probably odd. It's probably odd because, again, I hate to generalise, but women probably do, do 
do behave in a little bit more of a risk-averse manner on the road. They probably want more confidence in terms of braking. Um, they probably do get a little bit worried with the way that, you know, particularly carbon rim brake, carbon wheel rim brake setups would respond in certain I was going to say, not that it's particularly relevant, but um, my my wife's bike's hanging up down at mum and dad's farm and the kids were in there and they looked at it and they went, oh, whose bike's that? And I went, oh, that's, that's Elizabeth's bike. And Catherine, who's nine, goes, what, what are those – what are the things near the wheels? Because they're rim brake, rim brakes. And she's like, I'm like, oh, they're the brakes. I'm like, no, 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 the brakes are the, the circly spinny things. Yeah. Because she's got a little disc brake bike as well. And she's like, never, ever seen a rim brake bike in her life. So there you go. You mentioned that the, the dogma felt better around Heffron, but you don't really race anymore. What, what happened? Because you used to be big on the local, well, actually not even local, the bit of the national race scene. Yeah, and now I don't really see you anymore. What's what happened there? Because it's a thing. The lo- like good local riders that don't race. It's a yeah. problem in Sydney. Racing as a woman around Sydney it forces too easy a comparison between how how it is for women versus how it is for men. The Sydney club racing scene is an impenetrable boys' club. Mm. A grade men are Z grade celebrities in the Sydney cycling scene. <laughs> women don't even enter the conversation. But don't you race in B grade? <laughs> I mean, the fact that we're having a conversation about which men's grade I would have to participate in in order to race as a woman is kind of illustrating my point. So, that, okay, so you so you stopped racing because you you just didn't really like racing with the men sucks. So racing ra- racing with the men sucks. You get you get you get no airtime. You get no recognition. Um, you're constantly fighting for them to pay a po- to pay a podium. You know, like women's women's podiums don't exist in Sydney club races. They pay first. And then a lot of the time, if you're racing B grade or C grade, you're fighting with men and you might have to, you know, go and go into bat for yourself with the commissaires and say, no, he didn't cross the line first, I did. Uh, it's, it, it, it's icky. Even the, the actual racing in, because you're in a, are you in the B grade or C grade race or are you in your own race? And then are you just racing the other ladies in the, in the race? Yeah. The dynamic is completely different. And then, you know, when I was racing, you do a Tuesday night Heffron and you're probably racing C grade. Some of the, some of the women would race B grade, but I never did. You're constantly just marking the one or two other mm. women in the, in the bunch. And it just like, it's, it's a waste of time. And it actually doesn't, it doesn't ever feel good, you know, like the dynamics of cycling mean that it's a sport where numbers matter. Groups of people and a kind of, you know, movement dynamic between those groups of people is important. Team tactics make it more value. Team tactics make racing better and big groups of people make racing better. Going and racing rest Westhead Road Race in a bunch of like six or seven women sucks. <laughs> And I think you can see you can see the thing that I'm remarking on because look at all of the A-grade women who have kind of slowly dissipated from the Sydney scene, like Gina Ricardo, Georgie Whitehouse. Like they don't live here anymore. Is it just a Sydney thing or do you see some of that with some of the people you coach? I mean, is it just a culture here? There's the, well, the, it doesn't matter what the state is. There's, there's no states that have a healthy field size in a women's only Great. It, it, not in Australia. It no. doesn't happen. Yeah. It, so 
if there are, yeah, I coach women that race and they're mixed in with the men. That's just, there's not numbers. Um, yeah. And if, yeah, and exactly, if they do a women's grade, there's, it's a shit race because there's five people. So, yeah, it doesn't work. The whole ecosystem is off uh, because, because the, like, there's no hype, there's no recognition, there's no, there's no status, there's zero visibility. So anything that kind of comes as one of the, like, pleasing byproducts of being a decent bike racer is completely diluted for women. I'm just, I'm just, I'm always laughing because that is the exact same for the men. Um, and it literally wasn't until we started posting our own results and basically manufacturing hype. This was probably four years ago that then more people started showing up because like, oh, fucking Nero won again. And they think they've won the world champs because they won a Sunday crit. And then that started to build. So like it was same if you go and win a Savo and doesn't, you know, you who won Savo A grade men last weekend? Well, unless we were there, you probably don't know because <laughs> oh, or you're in the bubble of like 20 guys that do the chop that post about it. Um, so yeah, probably not to the same degree, but like we had that before we just started hyping ourselves up and making a big deal. Of yeah. That. I mean, the women could benefit from that though, you know, like it started something. It definitely had, it had a bit of inertia because now there's this huge hype culture of Heffron of club races around Sydney and everyone loves it. I don't know how to frame this. It's not even a question. It's like just the overall blokiness of everything. Like, I don't even know if there's female, if there's just chicks groups that ride, you know, like you look at the, what is it? The Caluzzi ride. It's got to be like 99. Is, is there a, is there a poor woman who does this? Like, it's just me, <laughs> me. I did it. I did it this morning. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I must, it must, ugh, must be so. It's just yeah, but I, even I'm like, Bleh. yeah, I know. I don't want to go do a Galuzzi either. Know. So, and I'm not it's a not, woman. And again, it's not a question. It's just a. Does the equal prize money help? Because in quite a few of the state races, and actually, well, not in the local races, because they'll just like throw some cash to the first woman. It's not like an equal prize money. A lot of the state races that do equal prize money. Does it, do you think that helps at all? Yes, it does because it's symbolic. Um, most. Most women who are into cycling have spent a fair chunk of their lives going into bike shops and being called sweetheart. And so we've been really, you know, force-fed this message of you as an athlete is not important to me. And so something like equal prize money and something like a full podium for women corrects that message. And, and it's important for us to correct that message. But furthermore, actually, I think the, the bigger issue is the fact that if we're not offering a podium for women and if we're not offering equal prize money for women, the, the biggest problem with that is how much it discourages the people who do show up. Because the people who do show up have had to push through barriers that you two probably have never encountered. So they've already had to work harder to get where they are even if you remove the competitive tension that as a man you do experience, they've had to fight a lot of internalised sexism and a lot of kind of internalised um, downplaying of their ability and their identity as an athlete. 
So equal prize money is important just to say we see you and we recognise you as good athletes and important contributors to this community. Problem is <laughs> I'm going to divert this off. It's going to sound really like. <laughs> There's no good transition. Know, like, There's no I way. Fit that, do you want me to change the topic? No, because it's almost no, as though no, I'm, I'm the only one who okay, can. What I've seen at some state rates locally is they'll pay equal prize money for women, like Div 1 men, Div 1 women will get the same. And then I've seen like Div 3, Div 4 men get the same prize money as Div 1. And I think that's bullshit. Why is, no offence, like a Div, like a 50-year-old Div 3, Div 4 winner getting the same prize money as some 18-year-old training full-time with no money? I feel like the, the, just in the men's grading, I, I hate that equal across the grades. I don't think that's, I, that's, the prize money should be equivalent to the work you've put in. And winning Div 1 is way harder than winning Div 4. You don't get faster. It it doesn't get easier. You just get faster, or something like that. I think the I okay. No, playing, go on. I like it. I like it. It's equivalent effort in the actual bike race. If I had to, if and and you know, you're a coach, so perceived exertion is a term that should exist for you. And what if your perceived exertion to win a a C grade, a C grade bike race is the same as Jesse Coyle's perceived exertion to win an A grade bike race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the in the race itself, yeah, but not in the not in the training. So that's where I I go. Ah, you guys made a statement about Rigoberto Uran being cool, man, and all <laughs> that all that proved to me is that you're completely out of touch. Potentially, <laughs> no. go go on. What's what's the cool rankings? Uh, so I sent two candidates to Jesse. Ben Healy. Which, is, which was a universe shocker because he's like the nerdiest loser, like aero like loser on the bike. So that was like, what? He's obviously like that's not but him then, off the but bike. But then you looked at his Instagram and you agreed with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, um, he's got this like, uh, you'll, you'll be better explain it than I. I don't know what, what you'd call it, like kind of grungy just. He's from Dublin, I think. Yeah, so like. Pub head. <laughs> British fringe. Oh, hang on, he's Irish. Don't... Irish. Mm. Okay, I won't. I won't. Okay, go there. Kind of fringe society. You know, I go to weird underground gigs and drink craft beer tinnies in the gutter. I smoke rollies. Actually, no, I don't smoke rollies anymore. I don't smoke cigarettes. I only vape. Type. It's funny that you think that's cool because when I was thinking of who's the cool, I'm like, Rigo runs Columbia. That's cool. Not like he sits in a gutter at a pub and like vapes. Rigo's <laughs> Columbia cartel? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, but he, then he hangs out in in um, Florida. Ben and, Healy looks legitimately like some every Dublin guy sitting in the corner <laughs> of Copperface Jacks on a Friday night. Yeah, there he is. Yep. Okay, fair enough. The other one was yeah. Teo Garrigan Hart. Okay. Oh, I can see that. I he, can see that. Like, he's definitely cool. I can see that. Yeah. I'd suggest Rigo operates on a different sort of stratosphere in terms of uh, his following, though, doesn't he? He seems to be. Like, he was, he was getting signed just because of his Instagram following, basically. I find him pretty charming on the yeah. internet, you know, like I've seen lots of, lots of, cute outtakes from him doing like eating bananas mid-race and that kind of stuff and I've always been into it. But I just I just don't put him in the cool category. I kind of put him in the 
Does it matter what they look like on a bike? Because yes. I would say Ben does look quite good on a bike. Yeah. No? Looks neat, compact. No. But in like a lame aero way. Not in like a rigo, just I'm riding at 50 RPM out of the saddle with my jersey unzipped way. Who looks really good on the bike? Luke Platt. <laughs> yeah. Vanderpool, sadly. Fernando yeah. Gaviria. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. Um, when he had the beard, he had a, the big beard thing, and he would just launch sprints at 1K to go and it would look cool and he'd always get caught. That was kind of cool. I think Alaphilippe looks good on the bike. Ooh. He's a bit. I know, nuggety. He's a bit kind of like doggity, sort of like he's had too much caffeine and he's yeah. just bouncing around. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a controversial. Well, see, the French like that. That sort of panache type thing. I don't know. I just, just look, reckon he kind of races a bit like a chody. Be, well, it's that kind of person that if he's in a breakaway with you, I'd kind of hate him because he'd pull ridiculously hard turns, then swing off and flick his elbows around. And yes, lots of drama, yeah. lots of swagger. Is he a good descender? I saw this chat come up because he's a he's a fast descender, but then there's people saying he's technically not good because he kind of seems to be all over the road, but he gets to the end point quite quick. Do we consider him a good descender? I think he's a good descender. I saw him punch some gaps in Milan-San Remo. He got like a puncture or something or, I don't know, an issue. Not on the, not on the last climb. So what's the last climb? Poggio might have been on the Chapressa. It might have been before kind of the descent after the Chapressa, he got some kind of puncture and had to swap bikes and then was punching the descent and had these tiny gaps between motos. So he was he was jumping between motos and then between the convoy to get back on. And that's the conclusion that I, I the whole is there a bad descender in the pro peloton? I don't know if there are many, to be honest. Well, yeah. But, like, did you see the Bardet stuff recently that I think um, Safa was on there? Because I always kind of thought Bardet was a bit of a meh, he's all right, whatever, descender. Holy shit. Like, yeah, just edgy, edgier pants type stuff going down. Is Remco kind of a bit iffy? Yeah. He flip. I feel like he flips up, flip-flops a bit because when he was a junior and he was riding twice as fast as everyone else, he looked quite good and quite confident. And then there's been other pro races where, yeah, he's he, it's been an issue for him. Can't get a read on him. Mike Woods, Mike Woods is terrible going down. Yeah, well, there's the there are the, but someone like him, it like it almost gets exaggerated because he tends to get his gap, like up a small steep climb. So he's got his gap, and then he probably has to go down the small steep climb the other side, and it's like, oh, Woodsy, oh well. Less. You a good descender, Jen? No. No? Terrible. And proud Terrible. of it? Or, or work, work in progress? No, I'm, I'm desperately ashamed of it, but I'm also honest with myself about it. If I, if I know a descent, I can get down it, but if I don't know a descent, then I've got no chance. You'd pro- probably be better on the dogma on the descent. Yeah, probably. The, the discs. Oh, yeah. Why haven't you had any women on the show before? Do you want to answer that question? Jesse, do you want me to answer it? You can go. Well, in terms of who we had on as guests, um, they've all been YouTube people. And, well, there's there's kind of two sides to this. The, the first is that they've all been people that have reached out to us to come on or 
we've had like some to and fro beforehand. So there's been sort of discussions and then, oh, you know, maybe you should come on the show. So it's, it's there's been a kind of relationship. That's that's the, the case with everyone we've had on the show so far. And they've all been YouTube people. And there's just not really a great depth of female YouTube creators out there who I would be reaching out to to have a discussion with. I mean, that's I don't know why. I actually have no idea why that is the case, but it is absolute bloke central. Um, all the review stuff, even even on GCN, GCN have one female presenter, I think. Yeah. I don't think any of the other magazine channels have female presenters. Um, I mean, there's Kate, Katie Kookaburra. But, again, that's sort of stuff I don't tend to watch. It's like vlog-type things. So there's not like research stuff or training stuff that I'm watching. Um, yeah. So you're, I suppose you're the, you're the next best, Jen. <laughs> go into the local influencer crowd. I'm the consolation prize. Yeah. I think it's true that there probably aren't as many women on YouTube in the cycling realm as, as there are men. It's just a function of how many women are in this, involved in the sport. It's weird though when you look at the fitness industry is not quite – well, triathlons totally the other way around, I found. It's, it seems to very much be at least 60, 40 um, women creators on there. Um, Running, not so much, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. You've spent more time looking at it than I have. Most of most of the YouTube or kind of creators that I'm watching, I'm half hate watching um, and checking out after 30 seconds. What was the um, – when you put this in the notes, was this just a question or was this like why haven't you had a woman on the show before? What was the the – should we? Is that like people that we, you feel like we've ignored? I don't. No, it's 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 just out of curiosity. Um, I mean, obviously, female participation in cycling is a huge problem. Um, female representation in various media matters and will contribute to that. Um, diversity matters. I think everybody agrees with that. So it was more just an open open ended question with that in mind. So well the the. I mean, you're a woman, but that's not the big deal with this episode. You're the first non-YouTuber uh, we've had on, which to me is a is a bigger a bigger deal. I mean, there's yeah, if, yeah. We'll see. Like, who else are we gonna? This opens up. If we start getting, uh, we could get anyone on if it's if it's non-cycling <laughs> YouTubers. So um, that was if they quite pay, a, if they pay was, you enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was yeah. It's a like this is a big deal for us. I mean, we've only had I think seven guests on, so we haven't had a lot of guests, but. Uh, yeah, that was a bigger deal than you being a woman. Was that's more great. That you, that's actually like, that's more complimentary than being the diversity hire. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing as well, because I wasn't sh- honestly, I wasn't sure what the tone that when when you wrote this, and I was like, oh, is she having a dig or like, <laughs> maybe you were. I don't no, know. No, no, I don't think I was. And I was like, well, I mean, we just started the show from we just started recording it from like the diversity thing or like pro- like. Why is it on us to have a woman on? Like anyone can just do make a. There could be a women's Nero show. Like anyone could just, I don't know, make a YouTube channel. It's this, like, there's literally no barrier to YouTube, um, to starting a YouTube channel. So I feel like, yeah, if more women wanted to get on, you could just turn the camera on and just talk. Like that's what this show is, and that's what my channel is, and 
Pretty much anyone can have a YouTube channel. I suppose as you as you gain a following and as you gain visibility, um, your kind of proportionate responsibility for, you know, trying to make the world a better place increases. So when you know that you actually have a platform, and I believe that you two are starting to have a platform, there is there is some small proportion of responsibility to to try and correct the things that are within your power to correct. <clears throat> and so re- Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Really what I'm talking about is just representation. Uh, but I actually think I put it in there because I kind of decided that the way that you guys approach these conversations is completely candid, no holds barred, no scripts, um, and no ulterior motives. And it's kind of like, okay, in the spirit of candor and honesty, it's just a question that I have. It's a question that I have for everybody. Well, it's interesting you kind of frame it like that because so we talk about this a lot that, okay, we're meant to be unscripted and, and all the rest of it, but as the as the audience grows, our um, our level of of reach grows, and therefore, do we owe do we owe it to the audience, the growing audience, to be more um, scripted, more more reserved, in the sense that okay, it's it's all good and well just getting here and shooting the shit for an hour and pissing off anyone who's who's around, but is is that not good enough? Once the audience gets to a certain level and you are, you, you might piss off a certain minority, you know, and that's potentially was okay when no one was watching, but that's not good enough anymore. And do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, but just, yeah, I mean, potentially. I mean, back to just on what you said, personally, I, I, I can't speak for Chris, but I disagree. Like I don't think just because the show gets bigger, it's necessarily on us to promote more diversity or get guests on to fill a certain, some certain quota that we may set. Um, I, that's just what I, we, we started this show and it's ours to get on whoever we want. I, I feel like it would actually, like if we were just getting people on just so, oh, look, we got a, you know, we got a woman on or we got, we've had three women on. I, I just, I would just want to get on the guests that um, we're interested to chat to. Yeah, I don't feel like we, we, we have owe anything. But don't you think that you should constantly be asking yourselves as you gain power, shouldn't you constantly be asking yourselves, who are we giving a platform? 
why are we giving them a platform? Is it creating or encouraging any kind of disproportionate power structures in society? Is it bolstering them or is it diluting them? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my... I, it's not my job. I, I, that's that's what I think. I don't know. I, I just know. So the reason I have this conversation with people a lot is because we talk about we talk about equal prize money between men's and women's grades in cycling, and they talk about how there might be five women that show up to race, and there might be fifty men, and that you know the entry fees, plus whatever contributions that come from the sponsors will feasibly not allow equal prize money for the women to the men because of, you know, you've got five women paying 20 bucks a head versus 50 men paying 20 bucks a head. My response to that is representation of women in sport is not a female problem, it's a human problem. You yourselves, even though you're not women, are in some way disadvantaged by the lack of presence of women in sport, whether that be through your children, your wife, your unborn child. I think everybody agrees that representation of women and equal opportunities for women in sport is a problem, and I think it's on all of us to try and make that better. Yeah, I mean, if... But I think there's a difference between like a cycling club and me as a, you know, YouTube show host. I, I, so, yeah, that's where, I mean, I agree from like a club's point of view that, that it's a different set of uh, kind of criteria that they'd be running on. Yeah, like you, completely. Um, there, there, are dif- there are differing degrees of kind of ownership and responsibility here. Right, what do you think, Chris? I mean, you, I, I'm not saying we agree. You might be, uh, yeah, that's just my I feel like I have a responsibility not to just like to put people down or to be a, I mean, I say some shit, but I'm like to not be a dickhead, which someone would be like, you're the massive dickhead. What are you talking about? So like, I, I agree. We have like a responsibility to, you know, not harm people or what, you know, that sort of thing. But what do you think about I'm still finding lifting a balance people with up? it. No, I'm still finding a balance with it because I, I find that there's a, there's an authenticity to even just the topics that we talk about, for example. So let's say suddenly we, we started talking about um, a lot more women cycling, okay, in terms of the pro- professional stuff, which we we could do as a way of okay, this is this is us attempting to be to to promote this sport and and lift up that lift that up. Are we being authentic? Because I'm I don't watch much of, and that's just the nature of I don't actually watch that much professional cycling, but. Um, would I be then, is that unauthentic in terms of the, the stuff that we actually do, creating creating an interest in a topic that I'm not necessarily in? So I, I don't have the answer to it. Because I also, I check myself on other things. So, for example, when we talk a lot about equipment and new bikes and it gets views, right? We, we, we talk about a new Bianchi and we put it in the thumbnail. It'll get good views. But a lot of the time when Chris and I will be like, are we going to talk about that? And I check myself, I'm like, well, if we just constantly talk about all the new gear, even if it's just banter, we are in a way just promoting industry and selling more gear and chat. So I've checked myself with Chris on this. Like I don't want to be just subconsciously from, from telling people to buy new stuff by always talking about the new stuff that comes out. So, okay, that's not like a diversity issue, but that's like a uh, you know money or 
consumerism type thing. So I I check myself on other social things. I guess I'm not holding myself to the same standard on like a diversity issue, but I do uh, have like consideration for other, I guess, social issues, if that's the right way. Yeah, I think it's a really muddy landscape. Like it's 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 a very nebulous thing to try and define, you know, who is responsible for what in terms of correcting certain structures. Maybe me asking you is is something that I'm doing to be authentic and to hold myself accountable for something that I care about. Yes. So maybe I'm asking you not necessarily because I genuinely believe it to be your responsibility. Um but it is something that I deeply care about. And if I say it to you and if you think about it and if we have a conversation, then I'm thrilled. Job done. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point actually. We can move on to the next topic now. I'm conscious that if you say, okay, let's move on from that. <laughs> no, no. no, no, no I yeah. still don't know why there aren't more women on YouTube. Well, you're kind of right, and it does affect us because if women watched our show, we'd have double the views because half the population's women. No, but, no, but that's, exactly, that's exactly my point. Like that's why it's a human issue. That's why it's something that we all care about because we all stand to gain from it. Um, but I know why there aren't more women on YouTube because women are constantly told by society that they suck, that no one wants to listen to what they say, um, their, sporting, their, their sporting kind of attributes are less important, um, you know, we're just negged from the get-go. And so then to be, yeah, to open that up to a YouTube comment section wouldn't exactly. be particularly fun. Yeah. yeah. It's just like you'd be prettier if you smiled on steroids. Women talk about that all the time, being, told, be, being on the receiving end of this, you know, you'd be prettier if you smiled because it's something that's said to them a lot or it's something that's been said to my generation a lot. Imagine that in a comment. Imagine that in a comment thread. Be <laughs> awful. <laughs> what do you think about women's specific bikes? I think they're rubbish. I think I think I think we need to get rid of Liv. I think it's a complete disgrace. It's completely outdated. Is it? I stood up for them the other week. So wh- why do they suck? Just because. Because <laughs> they're pink. <laughs> no, I mean I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to turn this entire thing into, uh, you know, yeah, being, being a hard done by woman because I'm not. I have a I'm, – I'm not hard done by. Um, I just think Liv missed the mark. I think they missed the mark in terms of marketing. Um, I don't think they – I don't think they've got the temperature of what women as cyclists want. So in terms of – so the, the differences in the bike, is there actually geometry differences to, to the bike over the, the standard giant stuff? Arguably because they kind of have that sloping top tube. Yeah. So they, they try and embrace a, a women-specific geometry, whatever that is, because I just think that, you know, being a true specialised junkie – I completely metabolized the idea that, you know, when they looked at all their retail fit data and determined that there was no strategic justification for a woman's specific frame, you know, I, they had me hook, line and sinker. Um, all humans have different geometry. It's just anatomy. And, you know, that's why you get a bike fit. So don't build a bike that's specific for women when it's probably not actually. So the gender, what was it gender, gender neutral? Beyond gender. Beyond gender. Straight past it. Beyond Straight gender. through. Yeah. <laughs> I do, oh, we're not going to go into details on that. Just the way they read, they, they, 
the way they took the body measurements from retool data, if it, edit, like they're just placing dots on. That data is trash to begin with, but we're not going to. So it's, um, yeah, anyway. Don't see many women riding S5s. I got a couple in my squad. Um, I've got a couple in my squad, but they are kind of heavy. That's why everyone's on the propel now. Stitch it. I completely agree with the take that the the propel decision is going to be regretted in six yeah. months' time. <laughs> Guaranteed. It's you know already what? regretted. It's already it's regretted. It's the... already regretted. Oh dear. Uh, Straight yeah, to marketplace. I mean, there are there are a few women riding S fives, but I mean, me personally, I'm looking at it going, oh, I don't want to drag that up a hill. Are you are you influenced at all by the male professional peloton in terms of? Is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. In anticipation of this, I um, actually texted a few, well, one friend who is in the Women's World Tour and asked her, do people, do people talk about bike tech? And she said yes. And I said of the three team bikes that you've ridden over the, over the last year, which was a Cannondale Super 6, an Envy Melee and a Factor Ostro, I said, do you think about your preferences? Do you think about your experience riding those three bikes? And she said, hard yes, the Factor Ostro wins. You're going to say? You thought it was shit. <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> no, I just thought it was blah. No, that was, that was my only take with I it. Mean, like it was yeah, just a super forgettable bike. But she's comparing it against also two very blah bikes. Yeah. So Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it was just another one of those ones that kind of was trying to do lots of things but didn't actually do anything Brilliantly, you know what I mean? Jack of all trades type thing. Yeah. Both of us are, don't have conventional jobs. What do you what do you do for work, Jen? You just, you a cyclist through and through? No? Oh, you actually got a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's something our first guest with a with a <laughs> with a real job. Oh, do you not do you not know what my job is? Yeah. I studied civil engineering. So I have an engineering degree. Uh, but I never actually practiced as an engineer. I went straight into project management of a client side ilk, which basically just means I kind of run construction projects, but on the behalf of the developer. So I'm office centered and go out to construction sites from time to time, um, but spend most of my time in an office. It's kind of morphed into like a more uh, property consultancy role, uh, basically means when you building big things that are complicated and require a lot of angry parties to come together and negotiate what they're getting, I facilitate that process. No, my angle, well, how am I going to, have you ever, what's the furthest into cycling you've gotten? Have you ever gotten to the stage where they've, like when you were racing maybe, have they ever clashed at all or you were always just fully riding on the side? Like how, what's the most you've got into it? Fully riding on the side. Oh, okay. It's always been riding on the side. If I had, it's interesting because I got into bikes when I was 26 or 27 and so I'd, I'd done a good six or seven years of proper work. If I'd gotten into bikes when I was 10 years earlier, 16 or 17, I wouldn't have gone to uni. I wouldn't have gotten a real job. I would be an absolute bike lifer. <laughs> And things would be very, very bleak right now. That's funny. That's funny. You'd be working <laughs> at a bike shop or yes. uh, over at Cash with the lights? Yeah, something like that. Uh, that's sort of the, the – oh, is that the bubble question? Because we're always kind of 
there's a there's a lot of really nice bikes being ridden in Sydney, but the people riding them don't tend to be like being employed and very well-paid jobs <laughs> come up with this. <laughs> they seem to be kind of, I don't know how they're pulling off this 18-month turnover of 15K bike. And it blows our mind a bit in terms of how this is happening. And it's a, like, it's just a, oh, yep, oh, he's on the new, yep, he's got the new one. Oh, okay, right, okay, so he's got the, oh, Good. Okay. Fair enough. Is it all deals? Is everyone just, is this this gravy train that, you know, the, the, the local influencer crowd is looking after each other. Is that how this is working or. Yeah. Everyone's got their own personal sponsors, be it mum and dad, um, be it the bike shop that employs you or be it an industry contact that you have. Is it, have you ever seen it become problematic? Are there people that – is there anyone you're thinking of where you're like – because we said this – we are chatting about this the other week. At, are people getting loans to buy S-Works? And are there people where you're going, why did you buy that? You can't afford that. Yes. Is that happening? Okay. We have to ask you because we don't really ride with anyone. <laughs> so, so I'll answer this, but you have to edit it out right. because these people will be identifiable very easily. Oh, so we can't just like bleep the name? That'd be kind of funny. <laughs> Redacted. Can, can we go scarce on the details? Or blank the name of the bike and the name of no. the bird? No. Oh, you don't want to. People are people who work in bike shops are leaning on their employers to support them okay. in in various ways. See, the bike the bike the bike shop person doesn't surprise me that much because yeah. I, I feel like. Yeah, there's there's going to be a bit of give and take there. It's it's more the um, kind of graduate guy who's sort of 24, 25, who's running the dogma. I think it's mum and dad. Okay, righto. I think it's mum and dad. Moving on. Yeah. When you were on the dogma, did you feel cooler? Did that bring any kind of… Gravitas. Ooh, status. Yes, yeah. it did. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I don't feel it would have matched the map kit though. Paliano kind of like old world steez mm. doesn't go well with like edgy underworld fashion forward kit. Correct. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like even even a Rafa kit would have would have probably run okay on a yeah. Dogma. Rafa was Rafa was a be, there was better alignment between the Rafa kit and the Dogma than uh, map. Is there any other obvious alignments like that? Like I do think even like a Cannondale or something, a Cannondale could well could fit a map style thing. Attacker, you're probably thinking a little bit more Cervelloy, maybe spoke alloy. Mm, <laughs> no, every everyone from the Attacker bunchy is riding a Factor. At the moment. Oh, okay. Oh, so Factor. Um. You had a point, Chris, that for such a low-performing World Tour team, Factor are so frothed in the community. Where, where do you reckon that's come from? Because they're a status bike, isn't it? What's word on the, on the street with Factor? That's what's so weird about Sydney is that we're, we're, really, we're really trend, um, but trends are really sensitive 
in Sydney to ebb and flow and they're informed by almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's I exactly and, right. I heard a and whisper on a well bunchy three weeks ago. And, it, and, yeah. and, and, the, and the fact of froth is a perfect example of a trend that's informed by basically nothing. And you would attest to this because of your reviews individually, Chris, of the factor. But, yeah, I mean, I've got no idea. It could just be a bike shop doing a bunch of good deals for a bunch of their kind of quasi-mates saying, hey, if you buy one of these, you can get it for this amount. It feels like the kind of brand that's done it perfectly because the less that's said about it, the better. It's sort of, it's (laughs) like this, like... It just, as soon as you interrogate the science, it falls apart. Exactly. You yeah. just you don't ask questions. You just look at it and you go, it's shiny. It's really shiny and nice. I saw the green one. Do you see the green with the racing green one? The dark green one? What? So the other smart thing they've done is VAM. It's, a, it's VAM. Is there a regular non-VAM Ostro? Because they're all Ostro VAMs, but it's like you've kind of got the... The extra Vam sticker bit, which kind of sells it. I feel like Vam's going to stand for something that someone in the comments is going to be like, oh, my God, they don't know what Vam's vascular. <laughs> I know what Vam is. I'm just acceleration. saying as it applies to the yeah. frame. Um, whereas S-Works, you've got to fork out for the S-Works logo. But with Factor, it's just a half of the course. You well, then, the and Vam sticker. Something like a something like Specialized or Cervelo. I think Cervelo is certainly one where it's it's dictated to by the performance of a pro team, like and that's that matters. That matters, and you want the data, you want the research. Oh, they won thirty eight races. Shit, that's a lot. And go get one. Yeah. Whereas if you know that goes quiet for Cervelo, they got all well. They got all the YouTube, all the internet people on it. Guyman, Miller. <laughs> um, who else was on a factor? Even Chris Froome, like guy can move a frame, even though he's he has a YouTube channel, doesn't out. he? he yeah. he gets on the internet. Who else? Who am I missing? There was someone else that rides a factor. Oh, Dylan Johnson's factor. Yeah, the online component—they're all over it compared to most of the other brands that are just like well to up. Hopefully, it works. Maybe factor just have a slightly more switched-on marketing team. Or like it's potentially not the marketing team, it's the community outreach team, community outreach and engagement because that's a very niche component of marketing, right? It's the ambassadors, it's the representation in the community, it's the finding finding people who have some kind of <laughs> fragile platform but a platform nonetheless. Is that the – so you know how there are these ownership groups? Factor are really good at that. They have like – the factor ride, and the, and then if you're you're in the Sydney, I think there is like a Sydney factor group, and there's a Facebook group, and you post the pictures of your bike, and I reckon that's part of it as well. Like you know, you can you can be part of this, Jen. You just need to buy a bike, and you're in with you'd have to Steve and Jeff. You'd, you'd have to pay me oh? to participate in a specialised <laughs> tarmac owners. That sounds like group. a great idea. <laughs> I, get around, I couldn't think of anything worse. Mm. Trek do that. They have the Trek rides in Sydney. Yeah. I've seen that Josh Kwan does them on YouTube, the Trek rides. So they're all, they're doing them, Trek. I just actor. like a bit of healthy scepticism about that type of, mm. you know, communal kumbaya around the campfire. Like it's too much. Would, do you remember the Bianchi owners group? 
Oh yeah, that was yeah, that was we pretty serious. Mini celebrities yeah. on there back in the day. <laughs> that was <laughs> They're like oh, we got the got the team Nero on them. Woohoo! How do you reflect on Bianchi now that it's a thing of the past? I wish I didn't sell it. Uh, I have a difference because I, I had a a falling out, quote unquote, with the the distributors. That's why that all ended. Um, they didn't pay basically, um, and yeah. So I I pretty much wanted to sell that really quickly. But it's also a frustrating brand because the XR4, great bike. The XR3 disc that you had, oh, dear, it was so bad. It was heavy and just like you didn't even want to ride. You, I think you only rode it like three times and you just, please get me off this thing. So you just like apples and oranges. And then the new Bianchis, there's a new Specialisma, by the way, and no one seems to have one. So it's just a super expensive bike that – you can't even. I don't know if I haven't, haven't seen one in Sydney yet on the road. They changed. They changed their distribution. They now like basically they're essentially in from Australia, like direct to consumer from a like a Asian um, distribution center in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. There's a big bit of margin they get to keep. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm. So one of the subjects we have absolutely no idea about, Jen, is map. Okay, so I'm. I am outside looking in, sort of jealous of the brand. I've sort of ridden mostly Rafa stuff for the last couple of years and I do see the map stuff every now and again. I go, could be, I could get around this. I don't know. Am I, am I, in, the right, am I in the right sort of bubble for this sort of thing? But you, you run it. You seem to love it. Do you want to maybe sell this to me? Talk to Disclaimer, me. she's a map ambassador, everybody. Yeah. We, we should we should start by saying I'm sponsored by Map, so they support me. So um, that's kind of the framing context to the conversation. But I also do drink the Kool Aid. Um, it also, I think that every single cycling brand has a community, and the natural heart of that community is wherever the brand is based. Rafa started in London, so I think the Rafa community is strongest at its base in London. Map started in Sydney. Sorry. No. It's not, no, it didn't. It didn't. It's Map. I'll, I'll start again. Map started in Melbourne. And so its community is strongest in Melbourne. And although, no, we are not in Melbourne right now, it does still filter through to Sydney. But, you know, like I, th- I think you couldn't find a singular reason. They support me. They have an amazing ambassador program. They have an amazing community their kit looks better than everyone else's. I'll pay that. I'll agree. I think Matt, to, to me and to my wife, who is uh, lets me know her thoughts on kit and fashion as someone who doesn't really ride that often, Matt has dethroned Rafa as the cool brand. She thinks Rafa is now the mammal brand and Matt is the, if you're a fashionable cyclist in Sydney going to LAPA, you're probably in Matt. She doesn't know what Pasnor, uh, sorry, Panormal is, right? So she's not that far into it, but to her, MAP is the cool fashion brand now and they've overtaken Rafa. Okay, it's the interesting thing I reckon is like, so they didn't try and reinvent the wheel seemingly. I will hand probably, is it fair to say, hand a little bit of that to, to Rafa whenever they did it, was it 15, 20 years ago, came in, classed it all up, gave it a bit of fashion. What, like, I suppose my sort of question is, how have they been able to differentiate themselves? Have they been able to differentiate themselves 
from that brand. Yeah, because they want to be identified as young and edgy. And as far as young and edgy goes, if you're not a tacker, then that's what MAP is, young and edgy. So they sponsor a World Tour team? No. What's their thing then? Is it just ambassadors? Is that their main? Like how do we all know what MAP is? I re- Well, my, my take is they do and they do the ambassador thing really well and I think they pick the individuals really well. So um, what's his name? Um, cycling tattooist. They obviously, like he had no subscribers and he was already getting um, map sponsorship. So clearly they kind of identified that's the niche, that's the guy they want sort of promoting their stuff and did a pretty good job with it. Yeah, map do screen for dickheads and they told me that they screened for dickheads. Um, when we initially started talking, it was, hey, we better catch up face-to-face to make sure you're not a dickhead. So what what do you get? What's a map ambassador involve? Um, what do you have to, what do you have to do as well? I can't really remember. <laughs> I no, you were say, I can't. Say. So, no, no, <laughs> I mean, NDA. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what extent of confidentiality is written into my agreement. You get every year you get um like a a pretty chunky like gift voucher. So X amount of money to spend on map kit when they do important releases like the Bleach Design Works release, they'll send kit out to all of us and they'll say, hey, you know, this is a big one that we're pushing at the moment. Please get some content. Here's the kind of brand pack uh, that we want the messaging to look like. When you start, so when you sign up, they send you just, you know, like unsolicited a huge box of stuff, um, you know, just the whole the whole. Get up. So like musettes, bidons, kit, socks, stickers, that type of stuff. But you also get what I find actually the most legitimately beneficial is the map group chat, which is, you know, 40 or 50 odd ambassadors around the world who are, you know, constantly talking, talking smack um, in this kind of amusing cycling way that would probably resonate with you two, uh, who you can kind of call on. Like when you're traveling or whatever. And can we mention names here? Is it like these undisclosed individuals? No, I mean we probably we probably can mention names, but I mean, um, so Puck Moonen used to be on the program. She's not anymore. I think we were pretty sad to leave her. She she would have cost a fair bit of coin, you'd think, to keep her I, on the I, roster. I, I'd, I'd say so, particularly because she went to Assos, and surely now Assos wow. is spending big money. All right, jeez, that's a okay. that's a big shake up in yeah. the kit. Ambassador world. Yeah, that was Jeez. yeah, that was controversial. I I don't know how many of these people you would know. It probably depends. Like, do you know? Do you know um, Roman shot this? Do you know Ron Not? Do you know Chris Tolley? Yeah. Actually, that's probably the best one. The best name drop. Do you know that guy Fernwood? Yes, yes. So he's a YouTube. Yes, yeah. We often see people. Yeah. Oh, we actually just got a new one. A Thai girl called Lala Bell. You would know her stuff, hundred percent, because she's formerly Rafa, and I think that's probably a coup. So I'm on Map website, and there's like men's and women's section. Obviously, what's the difference? Is there is there a big difference between the men's kit and the women's kit, or is it just design differences, cut different cuts? This is another reason that I like them. To be honest, the women's range is equally as big as the men's. The Rafa women's range is not as equally as big as the men's. Um, what is the difference? They obviously, obviously cut. Um, 
they do slightly different colours, slightly different themes, but kind of generally stick to the same aesthetic. But, you know, what is the difference? Arguably none, aside, you know, aside from the, like, anatomical differences mm. that you require. Oh, so, yeah, but that, that, that's quite a big difference. This is a totally different piece of yeah. kit, yeah. really. really. Okay. Do you order any of the men's stuff? You oh, only casual. order from the women's section? No, yeah, only women's stuff. Gone are the days when women wear men's kit. When I started cycling, women did wear men's yeah. kit because they were forced to. That doesn't exist anymore. Would you consider going this route, Jesse? Would you would you go down the the map the map path potentially? I don't I don't know. Okay, so I don't. I'm on their website. What do you reckon, Jen? I'm on the website. I'm having a look. Don't I don't know if I see it. I'm not sure. Not well for either of us, to be brutally honest. Like I I, I kind of. No, but come on. If you if you if you weren't involved in some sort of lycra thing would you would you could you see yourself in in this stuff i don't know if i could like i don't know why is it is it am i am i that anti melbourne is there something wrong with me but i don't know maybe it's an age thing i think it could be i think it could be are you a bit old i could i cuz i I'm, I'm like i'm looking at some of these and i i mean i'd rock some of this especially the, i like the fluoro stuff looks cool System Pro Air jersey looks sick. Yeah, I'd run, I'd run it. Who's the model here? Guy's got. Oh, he's not as famous he's as Assos Man. He's got some delts on him. Holy moly. Assos Man is favorite. Oh, he's, he's famous. Like he's legit famous. The the actual Assos model who they use, they put in the, the bibs. Have you ever seen him? Yeah, yeah I he's have. Pretty, it's pretty incredible. I've got no man. time for their marketing. No? Oh, it's is, is he the hairless guy? He's fully. Yep. Yeah. But he's got a twelve pack as well, so not what's why, why are we anti assource marketing? I know it takes itself too seriously. Yes. Isn't, the, isn't the fashionable? Okay, maybe not map. But let's say as normal, no helmet, like casual. I'm in the kit, but I look like I don't really ride a bike. Isn't that like another level of being too serious from a fashionable side of things? You're doing that ironically. It's like if you're wearing cargo bibs and a T-shirt, ironically. Is like, it ironic, though? Well, it depends who's wearing it, doesn't it? Uh, that's why I don't think we can get away with it because if we're doing it, we just look like we're trying too hard. Whereas, yeah, I, I totally hear what you're I'm, I'm always jealous when I look at sort of pictures of people doing it. I'm like, yeah, I could get around this. I could be free and easy and, and just be riding around happily with a T-shirt. But then I'm doing it, it looks like I'm trying too hard to be relaxed sometimes, but I just, just don't feel comfortable. I don't know. I feel like I'm trying too hard to be relaxed. People are like, oh, he's on his relaxed recovery day today, you know, where it's meant to be sort of a bit more free and easy potentially. I think it feels great. It's very breezy. It's also very inefficient from an aerodynamics perspective, as we all know, but feels nice. But I'm talking more about in an actual ad, if you go into – you know, maps Instagram, are they sitting around looking like they're not actually riding or because that's what uh, that babook thing that we had on, you know, when you look at the ads and it's clearly. It's, it's like it's selling vibe. Yes. No, no, I, know. I see what you mean. Yes, you're selling vibe of people who aren't actually necessarily cyclists mm. rather than that's almost. Uh, 
And is you th- do you think ASOS is selling no, vibe? No. Well, and if so, <laughs> describe the vibe. Please. ASOS is like ASOS is like a perfume ad. You know, it's like oh. some bizarre. It's like the, remember what's the one, the Burberry one at the moment, where old mates jumping in the water and he uh, turns into a horse and then he's swimming with a horse and then he gets out and. Then he's turned into half man, half horse. How are you? How are you sudden, seeing these things? Well, don't you see these ads? No. Oh no, it's very important. Play a big, big role in our household. Um, it actually That's works. That shows your age. You get like David Jones ads for yeah. perfume. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, but so yeah, I reckon that's. But yeah, that's who Asos market to probably me and up. And that's today's episode run and done. A huge thank you to Jen for her time. We would, of course, appreciate you guys to like and subscribe to the channel. But with this video, we would love you to share it. Share it on to someone who you think would enjoy this chat. All right, guys, we will see you real soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.